This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. We'll have two hours of advanced analysis, the X's and O's, headlines around the NBA, and breakdown of your Utah Jazz. Here are your hosts, Zach Harper and Andy Larson, on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show here on ESPN 700. I'm Andy Larson, managing editor of SaltCityHoops.com. We are the ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Zach Harper, NBA columnist for FanRagSports.com, joins me, as he does mostly every week when he's in town. Although, last week you were in New Orleans. Uh, I was. And, well, we just didn't have a show, but... Uh, <laughs> we had a you... podcast. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah. Okay, we, we recorded a podcast earlier, right. so... By the way, if you want to listen to more of us, you can always listen to us as a podcast. You can find it on ESPN700sports.com, SaltCityHoops.com, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, But we're actually here in studio today, and we've got a lot of fun things to talk about. Uh, Jazz, NBA-related. We had the 1997 Utah Jazz Ceremony last night here. I thought that was a cool event, Um, so we'll talk about that. We've got Rudy Gobert being a destroyer of worlds. He was Good last night. <laughs> he was really good Real, last night. Yeah, he's he's making me put like some interesting questions to paper that I need you to like talk me from the ledge. Okay, you know, like or maybe I'll give you a push. Oh, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I shouldn't I shouldn't count on you for jazz pessimism when you're the 57 win guy. 56 down to 54. Yeah, 54 is still plausible because they have right. 44 wins and 10 games left in the right, year. Right, <laughs> so mathematically, I'm still in this. Uh, it's looking doubtful, but, yeah. you know, still, or we believe. it's looking like a 100% lock. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, yep, for sure. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some other Jazz playoff uh, issues, whether where they end up making it in the playoffs, that sort of thing. Talk about the 97 stuff. Um, Gordon Hayward had an interesting quote from last night about uh, staying with one team, and I right. want to play that later on in the show. We'll have Andrew Han. Is it Han? Andrew Han, Han right? Yeah. He's from Clipper Blog. Um, ESPN. Yeah. E- yeah, ESPN, the ESPN troop affil- affiliate for them. Uh, so we'll talk about the possible matchup with the Clippers and also you know what's kind of up in Clipperland, not only for the playoffs, but also just this Saturday's matchup, which proves to be a big game for that 4-5 or five seating. Right. Uh, those implications. So... Then, of course, we'll go around the NBA and do all the other random stuff that we end up talking about. Every exactly. Day. So, um, as always, you can tweet us at Andy B. Larson is my Twitter handle. At Talk Hoops is Zach's. Um, or you can even call us if you're so bold Whoa. enough to do that. Yeah, I mean, no one talks on the phone anymore. No, no one wants that. Um, but uh, we do, I guess. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Please. If you're not going to be weird, give us a call. That's a lot of pressure yeah, on Yeah, okay. It's just kind of weird's fine. Yeah, okay. Just don't be real weird. 877-353-0700 is our number. 877-353-0700. All right. Let's let's go to the the precipice of Rudy Gobert Canyon. Uh and I need you to tell me like he was fantastic last he night was first really of all. Good, 35 yeah. points, 13 rebounds. 11 of those were offensive by the yeah. way. Uh four blocks was a plus 13 on the night. I think Quinn Snyder absolutely nailed it when he said, if Rudy doesn't play that well, we don't win that game. You right. Know, he, he scored 18 points off of offensive rebounds by himself. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that, so I think that was five putbacks and then four times four times for two trips, two right. free throws each that he went to the line and, and, and made them. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty wild. Um, and it's got me thinking. Okay. 
Is Rudy Gobert? Oh, how good of a player is he? Is he is he a superstar? Is he a top ten player? Is he top fifteen? Like I'm trying to figure out what exactly the Jazz have here. Top ten's ambitious. Top ten is real That's ambitious. That's real ambitious. All right. Um, I'm so I'm just gonna throw ten guys out of there. That's exactly off the top. Of I my made head. a list to prep for this. Okay, so uh, let's see if our list compare. Go ahead. All right, number one, Tony Parker. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, LeBron James. Yep. James Harden. Yep. Russell Westbrook. Yep. Kawhi Leonard. Yep. Kevin Durant. Yep. Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah. Uh, Steph Curry. Yep. Who else is there? Um, Chris Paul. Yep. Uh, Giannis. Uh, yeah, I've got him as a question mark, but Ooh, I think probably okay. like you know, yeah, that's uh, Draymond. Is Draymond better than Rudy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that doesn't mean Rudy's bad. I had bad. it as a question mark too. It doesn't but... mean Rudy's bad, but Draymond is okay. He's as good defensively in a much different way, right? right? And he's a better offensive player. Okay. Um, I'll accept it. Okay. <laughs> Paul George. I have, yeah, probably. Again, that one I could be talked out of. Yeah, I'm not so high on Paul George anymore. Zach Lowe wrote a great thing on Paul George, uh, and the and the Pacers in general and their problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I read it, and during it, like there are a couple mo- po- points where he's like, you know, Paul George is an unquestioned superstar, blah, blah blah. And I and I know Zach is coming from a a very intelligent place on this, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I am falling out of love with Paul George. The yeah, more I watch him, and I don't know what it is. I mean, first of all, I think there is like a definite step back that he's taken yeah. since the injury, or maybe this season, right. whatever unhappiness. Maybe since the power forward move, whatever it is, you know. Like I, th- I think that's obviously he moved back to small forward, right. but you know, something. I, I think he isn't as good as he was two seasons, right? Uh, and ultimately, I, I think that there's also kind of an up and down care factor there where right. if he, he's not necessarily giving it all, especially on the road this season yeah. where they've been really bad. I think they're 11 and 25 now on the road. So right. uh, that's, that's not great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, at his peak and maybe that's maybe that's fair to compare. You could say Paul George is better. I have him as a question mark, too. My question is, you know, like I think Paul George and Gordon Hayward are kind of similar right. value players at this point. And at this point, I'm ready to say Rudy Gobert is more impactful to the Jazz than Gordon Hayward is. I disagree. OK, that was my next question for you is do you think he Rudy Gobert is better than than Gordon Hayward? I do. Like really? it's not, I, is not this because better. of last night? Like Gordon, for sure, this is Gordon. like recency bias. <laughs> I mean, Gordon was bad for most of that game last night, right? Yeah, at least in terms of making shots. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's fair to say he was just a bad player last night, or he just couldn't hit shots, right? right. Um, but his shot, his shots were real off. Uh, whatever. I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, he, he's just consistently much better. I would say now, Rudy Gobert. now Rudy's role is super important, right? It's hyper important because of the way he allows them to play defense and the job he does defensively just as an individual. And, and he's a very good offensive player with what he does. He's a very good pick and roll guy. He's been a better passer, like all that stuff, the, the screens he sets, but who is he setting the screens for? He's setting them for Gordon Hayward, right? Gordon yeah. Hayward. I just think Gordon Hayward does consistently so much to lead this team and draw the attention of the opponent. And I'm big on if you draw the attention of an op- of the opponent, that that impact is it's harder to quantify but is probably I don't know, easier to see if that makes sense. But I mean, you can also say Rudy Gobert does that with his roles to the rim, right? I mean, he's no, drawing- the, I mean they're, they're sw- the roles are there because Gordon Hayward's there. 
So I mean, because you are either not leaving Gordon Hayward on the perimeter, or he has the ball in his hands, and they are trying to figure out how is Gordon Hayward going to come around this pick and hurt us. But you can run, a, you can run a Joe Ingles pick and roll or whatever with Rudy Gobert and have uh, not the same success certainly. Sure, but you can you can still find Rudy at the rim. Yeah, and, I mean Rudy, Rudy's seven three. Yeah, you can find him. Right, there. Right, right. You can find him at the rim. Like, and he's become very competent and very coordinated in that. Um, but my point with that is, as they are running that, the defense is still aware of wherever Gordon Hayward is on the floor. Sure, and and that, and they don't want the ball to go to him. Do they ever forget where Rudy is? Uh, like I, I you see what I, I'm saying? I think they would rather Rudy beats them than Gordon Hayward. I think it depends on the team. I mean, it, I would think 27 teams in the NBA would rather Gordon Gordon Hayward not beat them than Rudy Gobert. Okay, beats them. interesting. Then Rudy Gobert not beat them. I. Uh, so were the Knicks one of those teams last night? The Knicks just suck. Yeah, like, okay, I don't. Know, I mean, I, I don't I, know. Like I thought Gordon got good shots. He his shot was way off. Like he was yeah. he was missing like wide left, right? Like he was hitting odd parts of the rim. You don't really see him hit. But he was getting good shots. Yeah. And it's the twenty fifth rank, ranked defense in the league, and, and the thirtieth ranked that, defensive rebounding yeah, game in the league. That seems Knicks, generous. So. even that. <laughs> that's, that's last. <laughs> yeah, it seems like there's. I mean. It, Gonzaga's got to be a better defensive <laughs> rebounding team than them. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think this really could be like recency bias plus the team they just played bias, right? right? Um, but I also, like, there there are some stats that back me up here with, like, okay, like so real plus minus, which I know you hate. Yeah, that's a crap stat. I know you hate it. It's not that I hate it, it's that it's a crap stat. <laughs> I, I disagree. It's fine. It's a good stat. It's, it me- it's meaningless. So... Gordon or Rudy Gobert is seventh in the league. Here's why I don't like in real plus because the real isn't real. No, right? It's adjusted. It's adjusted plus minus. This is just say. This is just say. Hey, here's a number, plus minus. Yeah, that's what it should be called. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, ideally, the adjusted non-real plus minus is correlated (laughs) with success in some way. Sure. Why are you so mean to what I love? Or it's not. (laughs) I like analytics. I just hate this stat. I think it's crap. So, like, if to me, you look at what Rudy Gobert does from a from a defensive point of view, from a rim protection point of view, and you know, you you can actually look, you know, like let's look at Nylon Calculus's rim protection stats, sure, and say he saves five points per game at the rim, right? Yeah, you know, I whatever mean, it is. Yeah, um, and then you, to me, then you kind of work backwards and look at Gordon Hayward's offense and say, you know, how many points per game is he responsible for on offense? Sure. And I think you can make a case that it's somewhere, comparable? yeah, comparable. Okay. You know, it's somewhere. In that range. Well, I mean, here's the interesting thing is that um, I believe Rudy is allowed to do – Rudy is able to do what he does on offense because of Gordon's presence, right? I, I'm still not taking this premise of yours because I it's mean, too good for me. Good. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Come on. This is this, – all right. What? Let's just pretend that this is a, universal, a okay. universally accepted premise, right? All right. I think Gordon's a good – a really good defender. Yeah. No right? I think he's a really good defender because, because Gobert allows him to be. Yeah. Right, because Go- because of Gobert's presence, Gordon is allowed to be stronger, more aggressive, quicker, load up on certain areas because he knows Rudy will have his back. You were trying to give me a point there on defense, and I just shut it down because I wouldn't give you the similar point on offense. Exactly, but I guess what I would say, I think, I think Gordon's impact on, um, on Rudy's offense is just slightly greater than than vice versa, and that's with the understanding that Rudy Gobert may be the defensive player of the year. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I you know, I I think that like I I'm totally fine with this argument and right. I, uh, like I don't think that you're a crazy person. Uh This is the opposite uh, of what I watched Stephen A Smith and LeVar Ball do today, by the way. <laughs> we should probably be screaming at each other. We we could do that. <laughs> I mean, we can also just play that interview. Right. We we, we can make that happen. No, uh I, I like it, it you just look at these it, like the really the plus minus numbers are what consistently get me. And and I think we saw it last night that as soon as Rudy Gobert came out of the game, the Knicks went on an 8-0 run. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference between having Joe Ingles as your backup or Joe Johnson as your backup and Jeff Withy as your backup. Sure. Is, you know, that you kind of get those uh, differences and that comes out in the real plus minuses, that comes out in the in individual game plus minuses, that comes out in, you know, how you kind of feel about a guy when you're watching them uh, without using the stats. Right. But uh, I, I really think you can make a case. Like, certainly Gordon Hayward is more is a more versatile player. He definitely has a, a wider range of skills. Uh, he's certainly a better offensive player. I think you can make a case that Rudy Gobert is so special at his one at his one skill, and really now it's two. I think with rim protection and, sure. and roll finishing. Well, I mean, um, here's the maybe the pairing example mm. is that it, last year there was a or last two years really there was a question of is Draymond Green actually better than Steph Curry? Right. Okay. Right. Because of the things because Dray, Draymond's versatility is off the charts, right? Yeah. And allows him to play certain ways. You could say the similar thing about Rudy on yeah. both ends of the floor, whereas Gordon is the star as Curry is the star, right? Now, right. obviously, different players and different impacts because Curry's a two-time MVP. But um, but that I still believe that stardom creates the opportunity for the star role player. Is there a way for a center in the Rudy Gobert mold to be a star then? Period. You know, sure. I mean, like, I don't know. Some people uh, up until this year, I think, if you still consider him this way, would you're you're an idiot? But like, some people considered Kawhi Leonard a star role player, right? Oh, and then I, I guess I mean more of a, like a center, but a, just a big a man. You know, I mean, Marcus Gasol. Okay, is he okay? Is he a star? Like, in terms of moving the defense in the way you say, probably. Yeah, I mean, he's he can shoot. He's a great yeah. passer. Like, yeah, probably. Okay, I, I you know honestly, I'm thinking more, and this is wildly you're talking like Dikembe. Yeah, I mean, uh, like true center, yeah, uh, defensive minded, but yeah, I mean, I guess Dikembe sort of was. A, I mean, Dikembe is a Hall of Famer, so right. like you know, yeah, I guess you could have that that kind of structure. Does that kind of structure give you the best chance to win in a playoff setting? Probably not. Having your your star be your defensive, big. right? Okay, well, uh, I mean, counterpoint, and this is always the counterpoint for all of these arguments. Yeah. But the O four Pistons, right? Is Ben Wallace their star? I mean, he was their fourth best player. Okay. I think he was like they, uh, here. I think he, like I in think, 2004, yeah. Pistons sports radio people were probably having the same argument right. too. You know, like to me, Rasheed Wallace was easily the best player okay. on the team, and, not, and it's not close. Like from a pure talent standpoint, sure, right? I, absolutely. I also think like, and maybe this is probably an area we don't want to get into. I think the way Ben Wallace looks is why we considered him such a star. Like he, great defensive player, but like a guy with an afro in 2004, right? <laughs> okay. Like on a basketball court. Like that's to like to a lot of people are like, wow, that guy, you know. He looks different than other NBA players because he had the the blown out hair, okay. and I think that probably overvalued his perception a little bit. That's what Rudy's going with with the squiggle is just right. <laughs> that squiggle's got to go. No offense, Rudy, but that, I don't understand that at all. I mean, he reshaved it for the last game. It he, got more aggressive. Yeah, he's he's continually moving back. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird. Will it go all the way to the back of his head at some point? I kind of see it like a, a river. It's kind of Ooh. making new ground for itself. Okay, maybe it's just like a cartography thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm into it. I'm back in. I'm sorry, Rudy. I didn't mean to dismiss that. 
and you know we just have to let it flow and see how sure. it you know yeah. makes it's just makes canyons eroding at his hair is that what rivers exactly. do exactly yeah, okay yes <laughs> erosion is occurring uh, uh, to good. answer your early question like Rudy Gobert is playing like a top twenty guy and I like top ten seems super aggressive yeah right? I agree but a top twenty guy like yeah he's playing like that for sure this year yeah and so I guess. When does it become playing like that, and when do you just become a top? I mean, more than four months. Yeah, you know, like I mean, if he's doing this next season, deep into next season, then yeah, it's probably like this is him. Yeah, I agreed with that. Yeah, a couple other names I wanted to ask you, kind of just compare him to Jokic. Oh, he's way better than Jokic. Okay, I'm you know, there's a lot of Jokic hype right now, and oh, he's really good, but he's a one side of the floor player. How about Cat? Carl Anthony Towns. He's better than Cat. Yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, I, and again, these are not fair comparisons, right? right? It's a fourth-year guy versus right. a, both two-year players, and, yeah. and Jokic and Cat. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Uh, better than DeAndre? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would say better than DeAndre. Blake? No, I, I'm also very high on Blake, but I don't, I don't think he's better than Blake. I think, you know, you could start getting into like the injuries of Blake this year and, and stuff like that. But, uh, but I would go Blake over, over Rudy for sure. Uh, how about? Can I, Complete opposite end of the spectrum here, but someone like Damian Lillard. Um, I'd take Rudy. Is that crazy? I, I mean, I, I don't know that it is at this point. I don't like I Dame's awesome. He's been he's been incredible since the All Star break. Yeah. Um, but you know he's a real liability on defense. Right. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was a center being that liability. It's a little easier to hide as a point guard, but um, he's a liability on defense, and I don't think he's he's not the level of three point shooter he needs to be. Right, like he's like a, he's like about a league average guy, I think, hmm. from three point range, maybe a little higher than that. I yeah. may have just completely undersold that. Well, I mean, we should look at I, either way that that defensive he, liability is. Yeah, like the, the volume of the volume of threes he takes, kind of makes up for it because the math helps. But all right, he's a thirty six point four percent three point shooter. Okay, which is that's that's fine, right? It's a, it's above league average by like point four percent. Right. But that, but like but, you know, that, there's a huge and this is an unfair comparison. But there's a huge difference between. Damian Lillard doing this on seven and a half attempts a game and Steph Curry doing this on seven and a half attempts right. a game, right? In which, you know, maybe that's not the right standard to throw at them, but, but, you know, being a league average guy and being an elite shooter in terms of three-point shooting, that that's where the difference is. And what it does for the rest of your team, too, setting up other stuff. Right, you know? exactly, the- yeah. But at the same time, like, he takes – last night removed, Lillard can take over a game in a way Rudy just isn't capable of. Sure. Yeah. So, but, I mean, maybe that factors in and, and moves it back towards Lillard's way, but I think Rudy's – at worst, Rudy's had a better year than Damian Kay. Miller. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Kyrie probably is a step above Dame and therefore yeah. a step above Rudy. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, I think. Uh, how about Kevin Love? This is. Uh, I mean, it's, Minnesota Kevin Love? Right. No. Right. But now, now Kevin Love. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that Kevin has much of a, an argument here, okay. especially with the injuries. John Wall's probably better. I would definitely take John Wall. Yeah. So we're, I think we're at like top. Like we're at the fifteen to fifteen ish, yeah. yeah. That, and I, that's, I mean, going into this year, you would have said like that's a top forty, Probably fifty 30, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, yeah, maybe you're like flirting with top thirty and saying right. and yeah. trying to do that, but yeah, like for him to establish himself as maybe a top twenty guy in the NBA in this season, that's pretty good. And you and you talk about having superstars, and maybe you don't have the top five guy that you right. you know traditionally need to win a title but you have you have that guy who's gonna keep you as a contender yeah. you know at the like i say the the marcus Saul level if you will, right and if, keep and you that good for a long time yeah and you're not you're not agreeing with my point of like gordon hayward is better than rudy gobert right 
No, for the purposes of today. And, right. and really, uh, I want to pretend Gordon Hayward's better because he's a free agent in three well, months you don't, and you we want to keep him around. You don't have but. to pretend it. He is. But, uh, <laughs> but, but all right. So let's say he's comparable, right? Yeah. Like, or it's, it's 1A, 1B yeah. with him. Um, all right. Then they have two possibly top 20 guys. Right. That's pretty good. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's pretty ideal. How many other teams have that? Clippers, War- Warriors, Warriors, Clippers, um, somebody, Cavs, sure. Cavs, yeah, that's it, probably. Spurs don't. No, I wouldn't take Aldridge as a number. Yeah. I, I wouldn't yeah. even put Aldridge in the top forty, but I, I don't, I'm not big on this game. Uh, I mean, maybe the Pelicans now, but you have to Rockets. How big are you on Sam Decker? Not is, okay. <laughs> then yeah, not them. Top three hundred players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Pelicans is a good call, but they don't really have anything else. Right. I just, well, I don't know. I just watch them win three straight games, so <laughs> <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they do. <laughs> they when Zach, Zach is actually the top twenty player there. Right. A uh, couple other th- random things from last night that I wanted to get to real quick. Sure. Uh, Howell Neto played over Dante Exum yesterday. Um, right. Dante had really been struggling in the last three games of that road trip, um, and really Quinn Snyder made the hook and, and yeah. played Neto, and Neto was great. You know, he was points. really good. Yeah, played uh, played solid defense. I really do just think it comes down to Neto's executing Snyder's system, and and Dante isn't. Yeah, I, I mean, Dante had been playing pretty well up until that point, right? Yeah, like literally last week, six days ago, I wrote Dante Exum has gotten better and like did this whole feature so maybe, on how he was better. And now you're definitely like, not a top 20 player for the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, like, and that's really, look, they're developing both these guys. They're developing all their young guys, right? And mm-hmm. they and I think we feel pretty confident in their abilities in their abilities to develop these guys. But they're also trying to win games and play for playoff seating. So right. if if Quinn Snyder thinks that, how old Neto is going to give him a better chance against the Knicks? Then yeah, that's what it should be. And it, and you know we want Dante to be great, but it's not every night. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. I've got three of your questions on Twitter that we want to get to. I want to talk about the Joe Johnson Boris Diaw thing? Diaw started last night. We'll talk about that. And I also want to talk about the 1997 reunion last Ooh, night yeah. here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. I like the music selection, by the way. Mood jazz. I don't know. Is this jazz? Probably not. This is it jazz. feels this, like it, Stevie Nixie, but it, I don't know if it As soon as I said is. it, I realized it felt nothing like jazz. Uh, <laughs> it's just what our show is about, sure. so I, I get the confusion. Uh, before we get into your questions, I have a quick promotional oh. story for you. Okay. Remember last time I ordered glasses from glassesusa.com yeah. and paid full price for them? Right. Like a loser? Right. Like, I, anyway, I got them and they work. So oh, that's, are you wearing them right now? No, these are, <laughs> these are ones that I also paid full price for, but from a store here because I didn't really know about online glasses right. ordering until recently. Anyway. Uh, our listeners can make better choices than me and can get free, nope, not free, but glasses for 55% off uh, at glassesusa.com using the promo code almighty. Whoa. A-L-M-I-G-H-T-Y. Wait, 55% off? F- that seems like too much percent seems off. like an excessive amount. I said free, which is a lie, but you yeah. know, now that I undersold it, <laughs> oversold it, oversold it. Uh, 55% off makes me feel bad for the people like me who pay full price, right? Right. That's, that's too much off. I don't need glasses, but um, well, actually, that's not true. Now my vision is great. Some would say perfect, but <laughs> I do feel like I need a pair of glasses to look smart. You got to keep up with the all the cool kids in the press room who have glasses. Yeah, I feel like I'm like who who, who has who has glasses? Aaron Falk has glasses. Mm-hmm. 
Angie Treasure has glasses? Yep. Who else has glasses? Uh, David Fisdale. David Fisdale? <laughs> Noted jazz media person, David Fisdale? Well, he just makes me jealous with his frames every He's time he He's got great comes. glasses. He's probably got them at glassesusa.com. Yeah, probably. Find your David Fisdale frames at glassesusa.com. Use the promo code ALMIGHTY and get 55% off. All right. Let's answer some of these questions on Twitter. Um, any word on faves? Derek Favors, that is. And if no favors for the playoffs, what are the Jazz chances in the first round? So two weeks ago, Derek Favors, it was announced, had an MRI on his knee, uh, continues to have a knee contusion, which has kept him out for the last couple of weeks. That press release said that he would be reevaluated at the end of next week, which was the end of last week. We asked him about it. We asked Quinn Snyder about it yesterday, and he was kind of in a bad mood, so he said, I'm not a doctor, which oh. is what he always Well, says. that's true. He isn't a doctor. And I'm like, yes, but we can't talk to the doctors, so we talked to you to... You I don't know. know. Have you requested the doctors? Uh, we have, and okay. they don't, yeah, they don't <laughs> right. let that happen. So uh, we don't really know what the word is on Derek Favors. I, I, I haven't even really heard anything. I saw him with his twins last night, and they were adorable, okay. And but I really have no idea. I suspect Derek Favors will be back for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's three weeks between now and the beginning of the playoffs, so I right. think that that should be enough time with that knee contusion. But I don't know what, uh, how, how likely that is. If there's no Derek Favors for the playoffs, I agree that the Jazz's chances of winning in the first round go down. Uh, maybe mostly because you just have to play Jeff Withy at backup center instead of Derek Favors, which is a big, big loss, and right. a lot of Boris Dio power forward minutes. Yeah, but I think like I don't know. I know Boris Dio hasn't been entirely consistent in a seven-game series where he's matching up quite a bit with uh, with most Bates. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like he's got the upper hand. Okay, so you, you'd start Joe Johnson and then most Bates. I'd actually and... start Joe Ingles. At, at the four? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't hate that idea at all. Yeah. Uh, I would bring Joe, Joe Johnson off the bench, uh, Boris Dio off the bench, and really try to exploit a, a Clippers bench that can be finicky. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm sold. Let's tell Quinn about it. Um, I I mean I actually kind of like their chances without Derek Favors against the Clippers. And the Clippers, I think we agreed, are their hardest matchup. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, and they're most likely unless they come down, unless they fall to the seventh seed or something and face the Spurs. But right, that has a four percent chance of happening as of today. Five percent chance. Well, so. there wasn't there a point last year where they had like a ninety-one percent chance yeah, of making the playoffs and I, they didn't I, do it. So maybe that four percent is pretty likely. Twenty sixteen was a bad year for it was math. Not, it was a bad year for a lot of stuff. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, your, your point is well taken. <laughs> I don't appreciate it. Okay, fair. Uh, our famous Greek fan, Georgios Spanias, Georgios. asks, is the first round loss a failure for this Jazz? High from Athens, Greece. It depends on how they lose, right? Yeah. Like if you go seven games with the Clippers and you just, you can't, you just don't have enough in game seven to win, I think it's fine. Yeah. If you lose in five games or four games in the first round and, or, or you, you know, just don't, you get blown out in a bunch of the games. That you lose, like I, that's that's bad. That's a failure. Right, and I do think you know if yeah if they exploit a certain weakness or you know right. and just blow you off the floor or yeah. or really make it clear that something's not going to be working about this franchise long term. Right, and I don't know that they have like the cap space to fix it. Exactly, and, I, and then I think, that's a problem. Yeah, and I think too that there's just a there will be questions of is this Jazz team really that good? Right, right. Like they're gonna win fifty games. Like is this Jazz team really as good as their record says? And and that will be measured based on four to seven games in the first round. Yeah, and and kind of what their upside is moving forward. Yeah, and, and so you know, and so if you compete and still lose, but you're very competitive, and and I don't know, maybe you can even spin it as like we got you know 
we got a game taken from us because of officials or whatever. Like if you can, you know, kind of have that, you just want to show that you belong and, and you're legit. Right. Right. Like that's the important part. Obviously you want to win. Like I wouldn't say they need to win a first round series, but it would be highly favorable yeah, for them, be, to, for them to win a first round series. And so if you, if you can't do that, but you still compete and look like you belong, then that's good enough. Yeah. And in a tough matchup against a good yeah. team, you know, either honestly, probably either the Rockets or the Clippers would be kind of acceptable losses. Yeah, I think so. I think if you Especially lose... Especially if you don't have home court to the Clippers. You know, if you're right. a five seed right. against the Clippers and you lose in seven, that's exactly. totally fine. Um, yeah, if you blow a game seven on your home court, that's probably not great, but still you got to a game seven. Right. Um, if they match up with the Thunder and lost to the Thunder, probably not great. That's probably a failure, right? They yeah. should be a better team than the Thunder. Agreed. Uh, we've got a, uh, we've got how underrated was w- Ricky Davis from Sean Haywood? Um, I mean, are there people who don't think he's the greatest player of all time? I... Uh, Still, I, I mean, this is you know, he's he's the greatest player of all time. I don't okay. know. I don't know. What to tell you. <laughs> so fairly underrated, it sounds <laughs> right, like exactly. Uh, same. Sean Hayward asks. Also, why didn't the Jazz wear their throwbacks last night? Um, Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good question. It turns out that it takes like a surprising amount of lead time in order to wear a throwback jersey, right. and you have to you have to let the NBA know like something like eighteen months in advance that you're going to be doing these that throwback uniforms insane. or something. Insane. Eighteen. Right. Months. Like, why does the NBA need that? Is that an Adidas it, thing? Maybe. Weird. Were they Adidas jerseys back then? I don't know, but I they, have no they idea. would have to be Adidas now. Right. That's yeah. exactly. So maybe they don't have the rights to the mountainous that's stuff on the low. I, I like the this is what I've been told is right. it takes eighteen months wow. to submit a, a yeah, throwback yeah, jersey. I guess when that did they use. know that they were gonna do this tribute? I think last year. I think okay, this then, has been in the works yeah, for then, a long time. That's not enough time. Right. Um but yeah. Apparently, right. whatever it was, it was not enough. Because that, that's what? something they that the they wore the pride jerseys last night. No, they wore the standard whites. Uh, oh right. Yeah. It, I was on a back to back. I don't know. What to yeah, tell you. Pride, <laughs> I think pride jerseys may have been. Uh, it's a little bit mixed messaging because that's an '80s thing, right? Right. Yeah, I guess so. So I don't know. Maybe cover all the errors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we've got from one uh, Lutz Zowers Jager. I don't know how you say it. Let's be honest. Uh, Andy, do you see the Jazz trading favors? Rodney Hood and other assets to upgrade at the shooting guard or power forward position. Um, since I was asked. Yeah, he was. You were asked, not me. <laughs> um, I no, would, I I don't see them Hood. being able to trade those guys to get better at those spots. Right. Right. Like those are pretty good players. Well, I mean, your, I don't know if like Jimmy Butler became available. Sure. Okay. And that's their way of like selling Gordon on resigning. Of like, hey, we're bringing in Jimmy Butler. Sure. Right. Like but, you, you don't have to play against him anymore. Congratulations, he's your teammate. And you move a package of favors and hood, then yeah, I guess technically. Yeah. Okay. Then that, yeah, then sure. You've happening. upgraded. Right. But a, I don't know how that package gets right. Jimmy Butler. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's nothing know. that the Jazz can add to this it. This Bulls makes it... franchise is pretty stupid. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not good. <laughs> this trade is not working out for them. But we'll we'll talk about that in the around the NBA right. segment. All right. I think that gets to all the questions. Uh. Yeah. All right. Let's let's do the 1997 thing really quickly. So. Uh, first of all, last night was a lot of fun having all of the 1997 players in. Everyone really, but Carl Malone, Shandon Anderson, and Greg Foster, who's an assistant coach with the Milwaukee Bucks. Right. Uh, Shandon, Shandon Anderson is just missing. Carl Malone uh, is was like opening a a a new housing complex for underprivileged okay. people in right. Louisiana. So pretty good know, reason. Yeah, good good on him. Something that they've been working on for a number of years. Uh, so. You know, all good, all good reasons, and it was really a great event. Um, halftime was was a lot of fun. You know, everyone yeah. was standing. 
uh, everyone you could tell was appreciative. I, you know, I teared up because that team meant a lot to me. Sure. And like growing up with my dad watching that team, yeah. was, it was really cool. So uh, um, for someone who wasn't from Utah, what yeah. was it? For, you know, what was it? Like? I mean, you know me. I'm I'm on team dead inside. Like yeah, okay. I'm I'm pretty cynical in in everything. And yeah. I you know dead inside. You you don't feel a whole lot. Right. Uh, but I thought it was great. Yeah. Like there was part of me that you know I I actually got into I got into town at like seven thirty last night um off my flight and rushed home and changed and then came to the arena and got there right before tip off um and there were there was a point during that flight where i was like maybe i don't need to come to this right, right. like it's just the knicks like i want to see chris steps but you know whatever it's the knicks did our selfie with me angie and Haley change your mind no i had made up my mind okay. at that <laughs> point before that i saw that but that i sure it clinched it why not yes. uh, <laughs> but but then i was like i don't know this seems like a cool celebration you know i heard about a lot from Haley and and knowing you know what was going on and um and when i got there and and you get into the whole halftime thing you think like oh they're just introducing the guys whatever this is this is going to be fine but it was like this really cool moment like you could feel emotion you could feel just excitement like they're barking at antoine Carr, like you know Mm -hmm. like they're cheering gray ghoster tag they're you know they they're chanting jerry jerry um it was an awesome thing to see like as someone who has no emotional investment in that team yeah, uh, it was awesome to see. Like it w- really was a cool experience. I think Jerry's diagnosis kind of ups the emotional. Sure, absolutely. Know, yeah, th- that a, yeah, a you, little. I bit. mean, you see him out there, and, um, and you just—I don't know—like you love him, right? Like right. he's—he's he's one of the greatest, and and you want him to be healthy. And I think it did for the players too, and that was a large reason why. Sure. That, you know, they got everyone who was yeah. available to to come in. Right. Again, no one has talked to Shandon Anderson in in years. No one knows how to find him. It's, no. Yeah. It's, Isaiah Thomas probably can't even get in, in contact. <laughs> I mean, he gave him an absurd amount of money. <laughs> it was a great contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought it was really cool. I thought the media availability earlier in the day was really cool. They kind of just set them up at different places around the Zions Bank Basketball Center. And then, of course, um, John Stockton wanted to reenact the shot. Yeah. And How like cool called Brian Russell over to yeah. do it. And, uh, yeah. and he hit it. And he hit, and he hit it the first time. That's like, awesome. That he still got it. Yeah, that was cool, and did his like goofy little celebration afterwards. Yeah. And, he, and Tony Parks pretended to be Hot Rod Hunley, sure. which is which is goofy and yeah. fun. And yeah, it was just like one of those things that, like you said, kind of felt uh, like it could have been manufactured, right? Right, right and, right. and it didn't feel that way because of the people involved. And yeah. I think that you know, it was the just jazz and and those people deserve a lot of credit. Extremely well done. All right, we got to take another break. Um, on the other side, I actually well. I want to do the Gordon Hayward quote next segment, and we do still have the Boris Diaw, Joe Johnson thing. So we'll talk about those things next on the Salt City Hoop Show here on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. We've got a spicy little college basketball game going on here. Yeah. Uh, 52-52, Gonzaga, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia making a little bit of a comeback there to get that tied. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see if Gonzaga loses in the early rounds again, despite being a number one seed. Right, exactly. It's never happened before. No. Unprecedented. Uh, Kansas also trails Purdue 16-20, though much if, more time left in that If game. for some reason you were so inclined, you could go to twitter.com slash talk hoops and mm-hmm. one of the latest tweets for me is a breakdown of Purdue sophomore big man Caleb Swanigan. Oh. How about that? Okay. He's very good. But maybe not ready for the modern NBA. 
click through to, and read to find out. That seems like an intriguing topic. <laughs> I will I will do I will definitely do that maybe after the segment, yeah, maybe, maybe not. not. Just like, click it. I don't care. Just click read. it, read it out loud uh, on the yeah, video. Exactly. Yeah. Uh I wanted to play this quote from Gordon Hayward last night. Um it's funny, you know, I think there's a general groove we get into when we interview players post game and ask them the, kind of the same sort of questions and you know, you kind of get the the narrative of a season and, and sure. how each individual game fits into that. Um, and then foreign media comes in and they want they ask completely different questions, which actually like are probably smarter questions to ask than what we did. Uh, and someone asked last night, I believe that they were from uh, China, on what Gordon Hayward thinks about loyalty and staying with one team for the, a, a entire player's career, sure. which is actually a pretty relevant question given the choices Gordon Hayward has this offseason. Uh, let's go ahead and hear what Gordon Hayward had to say. You know, I think every player has different situations for reasons why they leave or stay. Uh, I think it's definitely cool when guys play their whole career in, in one city. I grew up watching the Pacers, and, and Reggie stayed there his whole career, and, you know, he was a guy that everybody looked up to. Um, so I think it's definitely cool. Like I said, every, every situation is different. Every player has different things going on. So, you know, you can't blame players one way or the other for, for staying or changing. So, A... Gordon definitely, you know, sits the fence there and doesn't doesn't go either way and doesn't right. you know doesn't want to criticize the the team jumpers, if you will. Um, but I also think it's saying it says something that he does think it's cool when guys stay with their one team their entire careers. And I think you know maybe that is a a minor point that Jazz can pitch him off this on this off season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Uh, to me, that quote sounds like he's gone. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> no, that's what no, the Pacers no. fans in my mention said. Sure. I, I mean, I don't know why they would be excited about him going to Boston, but yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, no, I think that that's a very diplomatic answer. Yeah. Um, for a guy who I think it probably shows that, one, he understands the distraction that could come about from answering a question like that. Right. Um, and two, like maybe he hasn't made up his mind. He probably hasn't thought about it much at all. Like I do think for us it's like – how could he not think about it? There's so much money on the table. It's the next step in his career. Like, I think these guys are mostly hyper-focused on the next thing they have to do, yeah. right? The next opponent, the next development, like whatever. Like, I think that is the hyper-focus of these guys to where they don't think about it. Like, now maybe he has three days off in a row. One, Someone, you know, a loved one asks him about it, and, he's, and he does think about it that day. But for the most part, I would be kind of shocked if he was really thinking about what am I going to do this summer? Yeah, I, I think he probably thinks about it, you know, and, and it, it'd be hard not to, you know, every Twitter mention or every Instagram sure. mention you get is, is you know, are you coming to Boston? It'll be great to see you in a Pacers uniform next year. Right. How about those Lakers, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, have, you con- have you considered China? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, Brooklyn has free agency money. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, so it, it'd be hard to just not think about it at all. But I agree that I think most guys just say, I'll deal with that in the offseason. I'm excited to be chased and wooed as a free agent yeah. this offseason. Uh, I, I certainly think Hayward plans on opting out unless, you know, maybe maybe he gets all NBA and all these uh, designated player extension rules come right. into effect then. But, again, that's another reason not to decide right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be kind of reckless to make a decision now? Yeah, for sure. At the same time – all right, now this is an entirely different situation, but just to bring it up for devil's advocate. Okay. Um, last season, like in November – I had very real conversations with people uh, either covering the Warriors or linked to the Warriors who were like, oh, Kevin Durant's coming here next summer. Hmm. Like, it was a foregone conclusion. Now, I don't know if that was just them talking. I don't know if that was 
them uh, you know, speculating or they had real information. But there seemed to be this understanding of like, hey, not only are we awesome, like we're gonna get go get Kevin Durant in a year. So then at that point, like, is it all is is the just the going to all the different cities and going to Boston, you know, is yeah. there all of those is that just for show? I don't know. Or maybe it's a, maybe at that time they had heard it and it was real and then he you know, almost beats the Warriors and he, you know, here you know, sees Tom Brady and he's like, Oh, I would like to Right. Like I think he I think he put the honest due diligence into his decision, but maybe his mind was all already made up maybe. at that point, but he just wanted to make sure. Now with Gordon Hayward, much different decision, right? Like a much different situation. Uh maybe he's decided now, like, I want to go. And then I don't know, maybe he gets swept in the first round. And he's like, All right, well maybe I should be in the East because yeah. this is hard. I yeah, and you know, actually having more information there is different. I also think uh with with Kevin Durant, I think the Thunder thought that they were keeping him at the end of last season as well. Yeah, they very much did. With especially yeah. with how competitive that team was at, right. the, at the end, but you know. And you're a Clay Thompson barrage of half court shots away from from going to the finals, right? Right, right? And maybe they beat the Cavs, who knows. Right. But uh what I'm saying is if the if the Jazz win the championship, I think Gordon Hayward stays. Yeah. That's what I would say. I think that's, that's a my good, hot take. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh Gordon Hayward hates championships. Right, maybe he hates them. He's allergic to them. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Uh, we've got a couple minutes here, so I'll, I want to get to something that we had to skip over for time la- uh, in the first segment, which is Boris Diaw started last night instead of Joe Johnson. Yeah. Um, Joe Johnson's actually kind of struggled a little bit in that power forward role starting since Derek Favors got hurt. Uh, had two points, for example, against Indiana, and you know uh, the Jazz could have used, say, a normal ten-point Joe Johnson sure. performance and and won that game. Um, a is Boris Diaw starting the right move, um, or is Joe Johnson starting the right move, or do you? change it depending on matchups you know how, how do you approach this if you were Quinn Snyder I would go by matchup I mean I probably would prefer to start Boris Dio okay. most nights and then bring Joe off the bench but here's some quick numbers here so with Hayward Hill Hood and Gobert as the the four core right there mm-hmm. and and cycling other guys in uh they are plus 19.7 with Boris Dio plus 28.4 with Joe Johnson Oof. Plus twenty point five with Trey Lyles? Question That's, mark. Wow, you could so you could put anybody there. Plus thirty three point five with Joe Ingles. How about Ball and Boy? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, Ball what and Boy if does we not just come play up. Four on five. But right, like maybe this core is just so good that it doesn't really not that it doesn't matter, but they can kind of be whatever. Interesting with Derek Favors minus three point one. That's weird. That is weird. Yeah. Okay, that, so you can play. The <laughs> other ones are so dominant, huh. and this one not so much. So like. That that is super weird. So you, I, you know, until you said that, I was gonna say. So really, what you should care about is what the bench lineups look like. Then, if if Prob- it doesn't matter if you play Joe or or, right. or Boris or whatever. Probably, I mean, probably the bench rotation is more important in that situation because that those can really lose you games, right? If you don't get that bench production. All right, we got to take a break, but we've got Andrew Hahn, Andrew Hahn, that's uh, of Clipper Blog. <laughs> Andrew, they're on, they're the ESPN. Uh, Clippers affiliate for the for the True Hoop Network, so we're excited to have him on talking about the upcoming Saturday matchup and the playoff series that's next right here on the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. The home of the best Utah Jazz and NBA breakdown is right here. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you, talking about the Utah Jazz and the NBA. We've got Andrew Hahn from ESPN.com, and I, I chose to bring in Andrew because the Jazz are playing the Clippers Saturday, their next game. Yes. And also, it just looks really pretty likely that they end up playing the Clippers in this first round. So Also, he was available. 
and he was he was available. He was our first choice, though. Let's, yeah, he was. We sh- we should that's point good, that that's out. That's a good call. So, we uh, Andrew, welcome into the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for not saying no. So we had to go to our second choice. Uh, thanks for having me. As they <laughs> say, ninety uh, percent of life is showing up, and uh, I'm still failing. But um, oh, you're doing great. Yeah, you're here. Yeah, yeah. I do all right. Um, you, you and I text all the time. Uh, you're, you're, all the time. You're fine. Powered by love. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andrew, first of all, I want to start by saying that jazz fans are, like, petrified to face the Clippers in the playoffs. Okay, not all jazz fans, but I think a lot of them, like, this is the hardest matchup from a jazz perspective. Uh, well, Are Clippers I mean, fans I, worried about playing the jazz? Uh, so, before the season started, uh, I said that, assuming that the jazz were going to be one of the bottom four teams in the West, um, but like squarely in the playoffs, I had made the presumption and the declaration that the Jazz is the team that the top four teams in the West would not want to face. They're young, they're hungry, um, it'd be their first time in the playoffs in a while, and they'd have a lot to prove, and they, they would just be happy that they're there, so they have uh, uh, nothing to lose by trying to stage a first-round upset. And now, obviously, it seems like, uh, like you said, the Clippers and the Jazz are going to potentially meet in the first round it's totally plausible the jazz will have home court advantage as well um so yeah i don't think the clippers are that worried about the jazz uh i tried to talk myself (laughs) into thinking that uh before before i got on air uh i was kind of like thumbing through some of the the previous matchups this season and obviously uh the jazz have been hurt for much of the year uh the clippers have been hurt for much of the year and then there was that most recent game where uh, Utah kind of went ballistic from the three-point line and pulled away in that victory. And I want to ask you guys, in that last game where the, the Utah Jazz won, the Jazz shot 65% shooting from that game. Can you guess what the Clippers shot? Not not 65%? <laughs> Less? Uh, less. Uh, 61.3%. Still, That's still pretty good. That's still really good. That's still really good. The Clippers still had an offensive rating of 122.7 in that game. And I know that uh, the Jazz were further ahead in that game, and then like it got close with about, I want to say, like six minutes left before they pulled away for that 114-108 win. But uh, Utah is supposed to be one of the, the staunch defensive teams in this league. And even on a night when they win, if they can't, if they're not doing it by slowing down the Clippers' offense, I'm not really sure what they're going to do in a seven-game series. I feel like when the Clippers and Jazz meet on Saturday, even if the Jazz lose, they kind of have to go out there and prove that their defense is capable of mucking up a game, slowing down uh, the pace even more than it already is. So what about the previous matchup, though, between the two teams, which I believe was 88-73 Clippers, right? You know, like, that's the Jazz holding the Clippers to under 90, and sure, the Jazz scored 73, you know, tiddly points but in the end that's that's solid enough defense right yeah i'm throwing out a lot of uh, i'm throwing out that game because chris paul didn't play Fair. and i would throw out the game before that because like george hill rodney hood you know uh, a lot of the guys in the i don't even know if gordon hayward played that game yeah i don't think gordon played that game so like you know what what, what can we really take away from games like that yeah um, that's that's a good point lot. yeah i i think you know austin rivers after that that loss to the jazz uh, said at one point, what, they hit 10, 10 threes in a row. If they have to do that to beat us, we're probably doing pretty well. 
do you kind of sense that that is that would be the the mindset going into such a series of like no like all right we're the Clippers we we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot all the time but this <laughs> team has not been here and and we have and so we're going to have that experience and we're you know hyper confident in ourselves. Uh, I don't know if they'd be hyper confident in themselves. I think that they would they greatly respect the Jazz. You know the that roster composition, Quinn Snyder, like everything that they're doing over there, but. Um, regular season wins uh, and having uh, having been able to put together uh, good se- good sequences together against the Utah Jazz when the Clippers have been very up and down this season, uh, I think it does give them that little mental edge that would be able to uh, uh, carry them through a playoff series. I, I definitely think that if the Jazz and the Clippers meet in the first round, though, that's probably the premier series of the first round, right? Yeah, it it would have. I mean, yeah. maybe you can get into the star power of of Harden versus Westbrook, but yeah, it would. Ha- I, the Jazz Clippers would probably be the best basketball. Yeah, yeah, and I I think ultimately what sa- how Saturday's game turns out has a lot to do with it. You know, if we're saying that this last matchup, the one fourteen one oh eight one, has a lot to do with it. You know, if now the Clippers kind of have a chance to respond on their home court, presumably without the Jazz shooting sixty six percent from three point land and 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 hopefully you know we we get kind of a a matchup that shows what the jazz can do defensively and and what maybe what the clippers can do defensively as well because you know honestly they've been up and down this season but they can do better for on that end of the floor too yeah the uh the clippers defense no one no one really knows what to make of it <laughs> i have a question about yeah like well, how what what's happening uh i well i mean like i just not to turn into go into like player speak about this, but maybe they're not giving enough effort or they just need to focus more, something like that. Uh, I feel like after every Clippers game, win or lost, someone asks all of them about their defense and they don't have an answer for it because clearly if they had an answer for it, they'd try to fix it. If they weren't fixing it, this is some kind of incredibly elaborate con game that they're running <laughs> to trick everyone into thinking that they don't play defense and then they're just going to suddenly turn it on come the postseason. But uh, I guess traditionally we don't think of teams that have not won a title as being able to flip a switch. Uh, the Clippers, for whatever reason, have shown an ability to do that in seasons past. Hmm. I want to say two seasons ago when they were relatively healthy, uh, people worried about their defense, and then they played that first-round series against the, San Antonio, the defending champion San Antonio Spurs at the time. And uh, it went seven games, and there was that terrific uh, shot that Chris Paul made over Tim Duncan to win the series. But the Clippers also had uh, a couple of opportunities to really like put that series away earlier if they wanted to as well, and they didn't because they're a younger team and, and not quite as composed as the Spurs were. But uh, the Clippers have shown that they can play at a higher level when they choose to do it. I think... I want to attribute this to Kevin Pelton because anytime there's something numbers oriented, I just want to say like Kevin Pelton came up with sure. it. Yeah. But he's, I, I believe he stated that the first 20 games are much more predictive of what a team is going to be like than the last 20 games of the season, which I guess is pretty good news for the Clippers, even though they've been playing a little bit better lately. It's against uh, weaker competition. First 20 games of the season, the, the Clippers were outrageously good. Uh, their defense was first or second in the league in, in rate in terms of defensive efficiency. And 
I felt like that really started to slide once they started to develop their offense. Uh, people always think about the Clippers as a conventionally offensive juggernaut, but they were terrible offensively early in the year, and they really had to rely on their defense to grind out wins uh, in the first third of the season. Once their offense started to clip, it seemed like they just kind of uh, lost focus on the defensive end, and then all the injuries started to set in. Uh, they had to mix and match lineups, mix and, mix and match personnel, uh, and it's only with, really within the last 10 or 15 games where like everyone has been back and they just have to get it uh, reacquainted with each other, and they're starting to play better. With the uh, with the return of Blake Griffin and the return of Chris Paul, is there one guy you're more worried about than the other? Like kind of going into the playoffs in terms of just what you've seen so far, or do they both look like, hey, they're back? Can you uh, can you frame that question in a different way? Are you worried about Blake Griffin? Or are you worried about Chris Paul? Or are you worried about none of them? I'm worried <laughs> about none of them. Uh, I guess I'd be worried about JJ Redick, uh, not from a health standpoint or anything like that, but. J.J. Redick, if you think about it for a second, he's really the only um, dead-eye shooter on the roster. Guys can get hot. Chris Paul is, of course, a very good shooter, but then he has the ball on his, um, in his hands right. the majority of the time. So it's not like he can play off the ball regularly. Austin has been a better shooter as of late this season, but even then, I don't know whether you're totally uh, trusting his ability to knock down shots at any given moment. So Redick is really the one that, uh, drives that that offensive ship, and if he struggles to get free, and this is, I think, one of the concerns that they would have against Utah because they have so much length on the perimeter. Um, if they're able to tie him up, if they're able to uh, contain all of the off-ball motion that he produces for the Clippers, uh, then I think you start to see this this series gets a lot dicier. Andrew, what do you think is the Clippers' best lineup to use at at the end of a game, especially against Utah? You know, do you, do you play Jamal Crawford? Do you play Austin Rivers? Do you go defensive no, with no? Okay. Oh, Andy, Andy, no, you play Luke. You okay? You play Luke Bamute. This is um, also the number one Luke Bamute fan in the world. We're talking to. Well, I'm glad. You know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure Luke has family that would be <laughs> higher on the list than I am. But. Um, I'm going to do my best to get into that family if, sure. if they'll have me. you got a great uh, chance. But with a team like the Utah Jazz where uh, they don't necessarily have a go-to guy, but a, Gordon Hayward is as close to that as, as this team has, um, you want size and defensive ability on the perimeter to lock down players of that nature at the end of games. And I know that the Clippers, uh, they'll close with Jamal or Austin because – uh, Jamal is capable of getting hot, creating his own shot, which is incredibly valuable in the postseason when defenses start to really clamp down on the things that other teams do and they're able to scout and, and adjust their defenses specifically for one team. Uh, and Austin is kind of a compromise between the two because he can shoot a little bit, he can defend a little bit. Uh, but I think that Luke is very valuable to the Clippers, uh, especially if, if games get close and there's this, uh, they'll have to resist the the idea that they're going to have to outscore Utah versus just try and stop them from scoring and trust right. uh, trust in the other four players who have been together for so many years now to, to be able to produce those points. I'd like to blindside Andrew with a question here, something we were talking about earlier. Okay. Andrew, would you say Rudy Gobert is a top 20 player? 
would I say Rudy Gobert this year. is a top 20 pick? This, this season only. And moving would, forward. And moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> um, is Rudy Gobert a top 20 player? I want to say no, but it's probably close. He's probably top 30, maybe top 25, but certainly in that, that realm. I'm assuming you said that because did you guys count off 20 people? Well, and and, then, Andy, uh, Andy brought it up as, is he a top 10 player right now? Which was which ambitious. I, I brought up to, to dismiss, but to I, I'm, at, I'm, I'm at like top 15, top 20 for sure. I think he's top 20 for sure. I'm maybe at top 15. I'm, I think he's in that 15 to 20 range. Like he, He's really ridiculous. Yeah, he's really ridiculous. I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's enough just to say that he's top 20. I'm, I'm just going to look down like the PR list really, really quickly. and uh, You should use uh, RPM. It's, oh, it's you really should You really should mm, Kevin Pelton did it. I think that's he, not even true. No, that's not true. <laughs> For, I mean, like, is he better than Mike Conley? Yeah. Yeah. Is he better than Kevin Love? Yes. Yes, we determined that, yeah. Is he better than Eric Bledsoe? He's not better than Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah he uh, is. Most is he better are. than Is he better than Marc Gasol? <laughs> no, that's a that's that's, a, that's, that's a really tough iffy. One. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're at the same tier, certainly this year. Um, yeah. yeah, this year. I would say that he's probably in a similar tier as Gasol. Uh, if you said, would you rather have Rudy Gobert or CJ McCollum? Um, I could see an argument for C.J. McCollum. Would you rather have Kyle Lowry? This so we year? said we said we asked him or Dame Damian yeah. Lillard, and we oh, we may have gone with Gobert. Yeah, I blacked out there, but I think I could go with <laughs> Gobert. I mean, but like the you can easily see the argument uh, for Lillard there sure. as well. Absolutely. So yeah. I mean, and if, and if, so if you can see the argument for Lillard, then he's probably not a top ten or fifteen person. He's probably in the twenty range. That's uh, fair. So okay. I would say just outside the top twenty, he's twenty-two in PER right now. So yeah, let's let's put him there. Twenty-two seems, but he's it, it doesn't satisfy one, my bloodlust. Number like. one, he's number one <laughs> defensively or number two defensively. Right. I mean, so what is that in RPM? No, that's not a real thing. Uh, but he, in, is, he actually but just is number like, one. But just in in, me, in defending this season, he's the best or the second. Best. He is number one in defensive RPM, and he's number seven overall in RPM. Okay. Yeah. I, exactly. It means I, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, neither does twenty-two and PER, right? right you know, that's, it, that's fair. I I think I like RPM more than PER. Oh, um, I much much higher on RPM. Oh, that's. I, wait, you are? No, you're much I higher like on both, RPM. I like oh, both the, products yeah. equally. The fine products of ESPN.com. <laughs> uh, I enjoy them equally. <laughs> fair enough. All right, uh, Zach. Do you have any other questions for Andrew? Should just we let him just go? how you doing? You good? Uh, no, yeah, I'm okay, but I have questions. Like, oh, you have oh, questions, questions for, us. for us? We're trying yeah. to scout you guys. All right, go ahead. Um, like, I think Zach thought I was joking, but I'm really going to ask, like, what are you guys doing with your lives? Because Not I'm much. at a real crossroads, personally, and so I like to ask everyone else. Yeah. It's like, uh, as, as guiding posts for, for me to try and emulate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We, uh, I, like, I mean, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I have a I have a great gig. I should you know like yeah. getting to do this occasionally, and and I love KSL.com because they continue to pay my paycheck and like they uh, give me the freedom to do what I like to do. So like work wise, I'm yeah. very happy. Uh, Relationship wise, I'm single and alone. Uh, <laughs> so you know, there's that. 
pros and cons, I guess. You know me, dead inside, but king of the world. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to go. But <laughs> what I clearly what what the the gem that we've stumbled on here is that Andy is single and alone, <laughs> and he should really be leveraging this gig to to find himself a, a suitable mate. So all you listeners out there that hear those those sultry Larson tones. Uh, what is, what's the number here? Is there a call-in number? There is, there, call there is yeah. Uh, last half hour of the show, maybe we just take, uh, just take propositions? Yeah. 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 877-353-0700. There you go. Yeah. This is and, just going to uh, be Andrew calling in doing <laughs> doing a female voice. That's what this is yeah, going to end up being. I'm not even going to do a female voice. I'm just going to call back in. It's like, uh, this is, so what, what are you guys doing with your lives now? Yeah, this, uh, is, just, <laughs> this is just him <laughs> workshopping a character. That's what this right. is. Uh, yeah, I'm not. There's there's no tight five here. It's like a loose forty five. Right, right. Is how my set goes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to hang on the line while we play this uh, John Stockton quote about the pick and roll? Uh, will people be able to hear me talk over it? Uh, only if you talk while John Stockton's talking, <laughs> right. and then if you do that, we'll cut you off. Right. Oh, okay. All right, yeah, then I'll, I'll hang on, but okay. I would also like to talk to Stockton's quote, but okay. Yeah, yeah no, you can talk after, just not at the same time. Right. All right, All right. so this is John Stockton. I, I asked him, because he's, you know, him and Carl Malone were like the, the pick-and-roll gods, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I asked him how the pick-and-roll has changed from when he was playing to what it is now, and let, let's hear what he said. From your point of view, how has the pick-and-roll changed in today's NBA from when you were playing? Oh, that, there's no resemblance right now to how the, how the pick-and-roll's changed. I mean, it's very... It's nearly impossible to guard now with, with the rules. Uh, the rules will change so so drastically, both in how you can guard them and how you're you know how you're allowed to screen. Um, it, it's as if the rules are designed not to be able to guard it. And so, uh, way different, way different. What what would guys have done then to defend it that they can't do now? I guess they get their body on you. Number one, body and hands. You could guard the you could guard the dribbler with your hands with your body. Uh, now you can't really make any contact. Uh, the the screeners had to be still, and now they're you know it's it's a little bit more European style. They throw the hips out. They they roll into it. There's there's a lot of uh, different things, uh, but the biggest thing is you can't be touched. So as you're coming into the screen, you, there's there's nobody altering your your own position. You you have a pretty much free run. So my question is, and I, I think that's all pretty much true. My question is, do you think that like the innovations over the last twenty years in how teams are helping on pick and roll defense ha- has made it easier or harder to run pick and roll over overall uh, since nineteen ninety seven? Say to either you or Zach. Oh well, I'll, I'll let our guests answer. Oh okay. Uh, well, I had two comments based on that, uh, yeah. that quote, and I think one of them addresses the question. One. I really like, Andy, how you set up the clip by saying what you asked him, and then the clip starts with you asking the same <laughs> Yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. That was, that was overkill. Um, that was, no, I mean, it's like if, if you weren't tuned in, and it's like, oh, what, what did Andy just say? Like, Let's go to the clip, and then it says the same thing again. It's like, oh, thank you. It's like uh, live DVR. Sure. Uh, the second point that I want to make is I'm I'm out on asking retired players these questions about how the game has changed oh. and like how how it was in their day and then they respond with some like oh it was so much more difficult like uh, we wore armor in our day <laughs> and you had to walk 15 miles to get to the arena because there were no buses at the time uh, and then after the game you would have to do like 45 shots of 
um, of whiskey and then proceed immediately to the next game because it was a back-to-back. <laughs> back-to-backs in my day were, were on the same day. They were, it wasn't one day apart. Um, yeah, like you said, innovation is a natural part of society. I think we all hope to continue to evolve as a species, as a civilization. And things that we did 20, 25 years ago that may either made the game uninteresting or were philistine, we don't do anymore. So uh, that's, yeah, that is my feeling on Stockton's answer. Yeah, so I, I think it's harder because uh, they load up on the weak side. Yeah, because so, otherwise they wouldn't have done that. Right. No, but then you end up with, uh, the, it increases the value of the corner three, so you end up being able to kick to a wide-open shot for a higher value. Yeah, if you're a good uh, passer and they have a, a decent shooter there. Which John Stockton uh, you don't even need to be a good was and had. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not that big in Chris Morris. Uh, Jeff Hornacek. So I was yeah, if he was there. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I'm just like that's what you would do now, right? You'd have right. Hornacek in the corner. Like he, John Stockton, and Carl Malone would still kill, right? Right. Allowing Carl Malone to set even more illegal screens than he did then would be highly beneficial. I actually think really the closest comparison to that team is the Clippers, right? Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you see a lot of similarities, right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, one of the biggest differences that they ha- didn't have to deal with is that uh, big men defenders are much more mobile and much more capable of defending perimeter players nowadays. Yeah. So back in the day, you set the pick and roll, uh, call him alone, I don't know, uh, set the pick on someone, and Stockton can go right by and get right into the middle of the lane and kind of reevaluate the situation, have one of those mini four-on-three uh, advantages for a split second. Now... Uh, Rudy Gobert or Trey Lyles or whoever, they can step out and they can either contain the ball handler or they can go ahead and make that switch even sometimes. It's not so easy to, to execute the pick and roll anymore despite the fact that there's no hand-checking or uh, bodying up as Stockton had said. Yeah, I think it's a harder, more versatile way to to have to attack it and you have to make more decisions. Yeah, completely agreed. I mean, that's that's the, really... The game's just better now. Yeah. It's just so much better now, and it's so much harder, and it's so much more strategic and more athletic and more skilled, and I just think I'm kind of with Andrew. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. kind of am too, um, and uh, you know that's what will so, happen if you ask an old player. Yeah, so my analysis, bad question. And this, is, and this is why the three of <laughs> well, us... Well, that's why I had to repeat it twice. We're going to the Hall of Fame, the three of us, over Stockton. Um, I'm, I'm well, pretty sure that we'll, he's in. we'll win yeah. it. <laughs> oh, he's in already. Yeah, he's yeah. in. So, we're they're gonna take him out. We're gonna make it in before. We're gonna take him out, Ooh. get in, Ooh. and then put him back in. I think we should have to every ten years reevaluate the Hall of Fame, and maybe someone gets kicked out. How about that idea? Do it Survivor Ooh, style. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, they have to go live on. How an about island. every time we add someone in, we have to kick someone out? That I love. So you know, Shaq or whoever. Who's who has we to want, be we put want, in? We soon. want Chris Webber in the Hall of Fame. We got to figure out if he's better than Bill Sharman. He was. I, I'm fine <laughs> with that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I like that idea a lot. You can have how many players should there be in our, our pretend Hall of Fame? 100? 11. 11. 11 players. Players. <laughs> players. There's less players in the Hall of Fame than on an NBA roster. Exactly. That seems, that's what that I seems want. harsh. Uh, I would accept you know like what? 25 or 50. 11 is also just a random number. Right. I don't know why that came to my head. So, wait, in, uh, to switch topics completely here, because I had one other question. There's right. in front of the. What, what is the arena there called? Vivint Smart Arena? Vivint, Vivint Smart, Smart Home. Home. Yeah. Smart Home Arena. Yeah. Center? Arena. Arena. There's, there are statues of Carl Malone and John Stockton 
correct? Right. Correct. And that's something that a lot of teams are starting to do in front of their arenas, like constructing statues of like the great players that were um, that played for that franchise. Yeah. At what point does it start to become creepy? Because in Los <laughs> Angeles, the Lakers, I think they're going to put like Shaq statue up tomorrow. Yeah. And it feels like we're getting close to like a basically like a, a mortuary or like a right at a certain land. part. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you know, when they pass on, it becomes a graveyard. It's frightening. Yeah. Uh, I don't like this. I think we should tear down all the statues. Okay. Kind of like uh, when they when they tear down Saddam Hussein's statue in Iraq after the just like that. Right. Great, great <laughs> example. Exactly like that. All the fans run into the street and like pull down the statues with ropes and cheer. And Where are you going to find Utahns to do that to the John Stockton and Carl Malone oh. statues? Oh, they're there. They're there. <laughs> I don't know that yeah, we have the willpower. Well, I mean, are, do you really want those statues to be there when like the, the end of the world is near and statues start coming to life and they start attacking <laughs> everyone? I don't think that that's what anyone wants. Maybe so I think we do want that because we have some great basketball <laughs> games. All I want now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We actually have to like take commercials and all that. Right. <laughs> uh, can I talk over the commercials? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can you talk can as talk much as you want. The commercials. <laughs> all right. That's been Andrew Hahn. Uh, he'll stay on the line to talk over the commercials, but we'll, we'll hang up on him before the next segment. Thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. Thanks, guys. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we're going around the NBA, all the latest news and notes from the association. That's next right here on the Salt City Hoop Show, ESPN 700. Scanning the league from coast to coast, this is Around the NBA on Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show on ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. A couple score updates for you. Gonzaga didn't end up beating West Virginia on a crazy last possession where West Virginia just took like four completely awful shots but anyway Gonzaga 61 West Virginia 58 uh Kansas is leading Purdue 47 to 40 and in note to Jazz fans uh of note to Jazz fans excuse me the Dallas Mavericks are currently tied with the Los Angeles Clippers 82 each with 921 left in that game a lot of basketball a lot of basketball (laughs) happening we have a phone call uh, and I wonder if this was set up by Andrew's call for calls. He said he's a matchmaker. So let's see. We've got a Landon on the line. Landon, how are you? Good. How about you, sir? Good. Good, good. So I tweeted you earlier, and I apologize. I just got off work. Uh, so I don't know if you've answered it already, but do you expect the Jazz to make a trade on draft night? Do you think, like, for a team that needs to get rid of a wing or something like that, or do you think they're going to – just kind of stay pat throughout the summer. I do think they're going to make a trade on draft night for a couple different reasons. One, I don't think it makes any sense for this team to have two first-round, end-of-first-round rookies next year. Uh, given the roster makeup, you know, I, they certainly could, uh, and they, they've got a couple second-round picks as well. I, I just don't think that... It, I think they can probably get something for one of those picks that makes a lot more sense. Second, I think it just okay. makes sense to get Alec Burke's uh, salary off of the books before free agency. Uh, in order so you can you can resign Joe Ingles, Gordon Hayward, and George Hill in, in best case scenario. And again, the most sensical time to do that is probably at the draft where you can get something for him. Uh, and kind of the market is moving in some real sense. Okay. All right. Now, another question for you, sir. Thank you for a- answering that one. If George Hill, if he wants too high of a contract, uh, do you expect the Jazz to go after another point guard? Or do you think that they're going to just 
try to sign him and just hope he stays. I think. I mean, I think that you sign, you re-sign George Hill no matter what, and deal with the the fallout later because I think you have to okay. re-sign him to in order to ensure that Gordon Hayward is you know on board with everything. Right. And I think it's a very tradable contract, even if it's a ton of money, even if it's like, you know, 110 million over over four years or something, or even higher. Like I think even if it's that, that is something you can move a year from now to a team that has missed out on a free agent. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense, especially you know where he's a pretty good point guard. Do you guys think that you know if he does stay on the Jazz for a full length of his contract, you'll see like a, a you know, well he will his age affect him? basically, where, you know, he kind of just slowly over time gets slower and everything else. Do you think he'll kind of be like, you know, really pretty much even killed throughout the next four years where you don't see much of a loss because of age? No, I, I think I think you you really do expect to see significant player-related decline. Uh, he'll be 31 when he signs that contract and, and then be 34 or 35, you know, at the end of that contract, and that's exactly where you do expect to see some drop-off. Um, I, I think he's going to be healthier than he was this season because the toe injury still is affecting him. Uh, the, the sprained toe really does change the way he's he's moving on the floor. I think we've seen him kind of adjust the ways he can get his shots. You know, we're seeing him have to draw a lot of fouls, for example, either inside or outside of the three-point line in order to get to get his get his points um, and find kind of find other clever veteran ways of, of being able to affect the floor. So I think we're going to see more yeah. of that at the, at the tail end of the contract. But honestly, I think we can expect him to maybe even get better uh, in the first year of that contract than he has been this season, um, just because he can be healthy for most of the year. Okay, awesome. That, thank you, sir. And then one last thing. Do you think, uh, think the Jazz try to trade Derek Favors in the summer, or do they wait until the trade deadline to trade him? Uh, great question. I think it, 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 they need a power forward, right? right? So if it depends a lot on, on if there's a, a available free agent that, you know, if, if George Hill or Gordon Hayward don't sign, um, if they can find something, another option, you know, let's say they can do an Indiana Pacers S trade for someone like a Thaddeus Young for one of those first round picks. Maybe that makes some sense. Uh, I, I, I think favors will be the default moving forward. I don't think he's a perfect fit with this team um, as currently constructed, but uh, I, I don't know if it's like actually likely that he's gone this offseason necessarily. Okay. All right. Well, awesome. Hey, thank you so much, guys, for answering my questions. I appreciate it. Thanks, Landon. Yeah, thanks for calling in. That was like four solid questions from those Landon. Those were really good questions. Those are, those are, <laughs> that's better what we want. Better questions than I asked The you. guy wasn't weird? <laughs> no, he wasn't weird. Perfect amount of, uh, of normalcy. Yeah, thank you, Landon, for yeah. calling in. Um, okay, so let's get to around the NBA, and we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff to catch up on. Um, first of all, last night Russell Westbrook got a triple double without missing a single shot for the first time in NBA history. Maybe the second time Wes Unseld may have done it before. Sure, and but we, there's no way but, of knowing, right? There, like box scores didn't really exist back yeah. then, or couldn't be trusted, or something. But anyway, <laughs> couldn't be trusted. I like that idea. Well, apparently that's that's what they're saying. Like there is this printout of a box score that says Unseld did it. And then uh, Elias, the sports uh, you know stats yeah. agency, says that it's not real for some reason. Hashtag fake stats. Right, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know what really happens. But anyway, I didn't like them calling it a perfect triple double. Yeah, because they had five turnovers. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's right? cheating. Yeah, yeah. You got uh, unless you get ten, and then it's quadruple. Yeah, and then and then, and then, then that's just more history. Yeah, <laughs> it's special. Right. Uh, 
Kevin Durant should be back before the playoffs begin. That was reported I so. yesterday. Uh, I yeah, I think that's kind of what we assumed the whole time, but yeah. it's good to know that his rehab is is on schedule. Yeah, you'd like him to get some reps in and get some time on the court before the playoffs start, for sure. Um, meanwhile, Joel Embiid's knee is not going as well. He needs surgery again and is going to get it again. I, I just want to... I just want to see one full season from him, you yeah. know, like in by full, I mean like 70 games. Yeah, uh, that you would know? do. That would be great. And like, I don't know, maybe he would be this generation's Bill Walton. Did I he end know. up with 35 this year? 31 games, I think. 31, yikes. 700 minutes, something like that. Yeah. Still my rookie dear. I, I don't really blame you. Yeah. Uh, He's the best rookie I saw this year. Speaking of the Sixers, it turns out that they made a huge offer for Paul George at the deadline. Uh, Brian Colangelo doing things. I don't know what that huge offer would look like. I mean, it's pretty much everybody but Joel Embiid. Right. But you Probably know, you not about, involving Dario Saric either. They're pretty high on him. So it, it's one of Okafor or Nerlens Noel, Rocco, Robert Covington, and two first-round picks. I mean, if one of those picks was the Lakers pick? It was. Yeah, that's a good offer. That's a good offer. Yeah. Pacers maybe should have done it. I don't know. I mean, it'll be pretty fun when they lose him for nothing. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I, I still think they can trade him this offseason. I think they should trade him this offseason. But, yeah. Yeah, because I agree that it's unlikely he stays unless right. something drastic changes. Right. Uh, Greg Popovich believes teams in the league office can find a solution on the DNP rest. I didn't want to talk a lot about resting during the show because I think it's been beaten to death on every other NBA show. Oh, have people been talking about that? I, yeah. I wasn't aware. But I, I do think that, like, Greg Popovich, a reasonable human being, is like, hey, maybe we can find a, a compromise. Right. Which seems like there's, no one else is espousing compromise in this It debate. will be less of an issue if these games of rest don't happen on national TV on the second night right. back-to-back. Like, just... Make the TV schedule smarter. That's yeah, what I would say. I really think that's smart. Yeah. Uh, someone who didn't get a lot of rest, or maybe I, I, Vince Carter is crazy, is what I'm trying to say. Here. I was there. I wasn't in. I wasn't on the oh, arena no. floor when it happened. I just got into the arena. I see the tweet from the Grizzlies, and I just thought, like, this is why I go to the floor and watch nothing happen until something happens. Right. Because of stuff like that. If I mean, all right, they don't let fans in that early, but get there as early as as you can. Uh, I mean, they let him in an hour and a half before the game, right, yeah. at, at Vivint. And uh, th- for those of you who haven't seen the video, he made a half-court shot, then got the rebound, and then pulled a between-the-legs dunk yeah. right after that By the way, at he's age 40. 40 years old. That's uh, How many 40-year-olds can do between-the-legs dunks? I don't know how many 40-year-olds can jump, period. <laughs> I'm 35, <laughs> I can barely jump. Fair point. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Bulls trade earlier, just how weird the Bulls are, but uh, campaign is going to the D-League a month after the Bulls traded Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson to get him, so yeah. that's not going well. It's not going great, but I do think like the more reps he gets in, I I, yeah. I am probably higher on him. I don't know. I like Jerry and Grant quite a bit, but I, you know, he, I think he can be a really good player in this league. I just wish that they could find, you know, with Dwayne Wade out, find minutes for him. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is a horribly run organization. Okay. So that's going to be tough. <laughs> Uh, the Suns shut down Eric Bledsoe for the season. I don't know if we've mentioned this yet, but the Lakers also shut down Timofey Mozgov and yeah. uh, Luol. Luol Deng. For uh, the season, what's funny so. about this is they're, some tanking. is they're tanking, uh, but they weren't winning all that much with Eric Bledsoe. So right. I don't really know what they're doing <laughs> here. I don't know how much that's it accomplishing. May, yeah, it may backfire, actually. Right. And we'll see. I mean, uh, Eric Bledsoe get, was their best player. Yeah, they did get destroyed by the Nets tonight, so maybe they're doing the right thing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, they're not going to catch up with the Nets in the in the Tinkathon standings. No, so that's for sure. no, that's that's asking a lot. Yeah. Uh, so far, by the way, this is the let me first of all, Dwayne Wade broke his elbow off for the rest of the season. Yeah. We mentioned that, but this is the first season in 46 years without a head coach being fired 
in season. We've and it doesn't look like it's going to happen for the next three weeks. Two and a half weeks left. Plenty of time to get uh, somebody who's fired. Who's going to get fired? That's a good question. Who's I most likely to get fired? Like Alvin Gentry? I don't, I don't uh, see that, right? Yeah, it's I too late. Yeah, I was just there. I don't know that he's going to get fired. I don't know. Earl Watson should probably go. Is that mean to say? He's a bad it's always coach. Mean, well, no, I but uh, but they're I, tanking now, so maybe it's the right coach. Right. For them. So if if you're if you've stopped playing your best players and they're actually upset about it because they want to right. play and you're making management decisions, you can't fire your coach mid-season. You know what? Like, what benefit does that have? Steve Kerr's got to go. You're gonna have Ty Corbin be your <laughs> Steve Kerr's out. Steve That's Kerr what I think. fired next week. Next Ooh. Wednesday. You heard it here only. Steve Kerr <laughs> out. Yeah, I, I, I find it. I'm. This, that might be hot. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's a good prediction. Uh, yeah, I, it, it's kind of interesting. We haven't had a coach fired this year. Does yeah. that say anything about like teams believing in coaches more or something? I think it's probably just, just a weird part of the coaching carousel cycle, right? Yeah. We, we certainly had a lot of coaches be fired in. Yeah, recent off I'm sure we'll get so. five the first week of the off season. Yeah, It'll be fine. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. On the other side, we've got uh. Oh, Joe Ingles took over the Jazz Twitter account he today. He was great. Many great moments. Trey Lyles hung out with puppies today. Uh, great photos. It's, it's National Puppy Day. National Puppy Day. Yeah. It's a great day. It is a great day. <laughs> we got the last segment of the Salt City Hoop Show next here on ESPN 700. Back to the analytics, opinions, and best breakdown of the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. All right, welcome back into Salt City Hoops show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper for our last segment. By the way, I recently came upon the the discovering of Get Lucky. Uh, like three years ago, they just, Daft Punk showed the video of like a 30-second long clip of Get Lucky. Okay. And the world was like completely agape at yeah. what how good that song is because it, it's an incredibly it's good it's quite song. good i would say popular even yeah <laughs> it, was, it was just funny like reading all these people who hadn't ever heard get lucky before really? and been like yeah it's good blown away at like that they had entered this new universe it's a toe tapper yeah it's yeah. anyway that's all awesome. all right <laughs> good song good update <laughs> uh <laughs> you're your update is reading all of the days, the national days of the year for yeah. the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Because obviously today is National Puppy Day. Right. And Trey Lyles was was handing out puppies. Did people get to keep those no. puppies? They just got to play with them for 15 minutes. That is awful. $30 for 15 minutes. I mean, I'd pay that. Don't yeah. get me wrong. But <laughs> if tra- if someone's bringing me a puppy, I'm keeping that dog. What, the, what if they, you know, maybe they have like a some sort of sergeant or something like something to prevent you from stealing the well, puppies then let's hope that their car is as fast as my car because <laughs> i'm jumping in a car with that puppy and leaving but that national puppy day made me try to look up the rest of the month there's some weird ones um but the weirdest one that i think i found is march 28th is national something on a stick day so that could be anything so food or yeah or a flag flags are on sticks flags are, that's for sure yeah some of them, anyway. Kebabs? I mean, that's a big kebab day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly hot dog on a stick. If, does that still exist? Do they still have hot dogs on, on a stick? Like as Restaurants? A, well, I wouldn't call it a restaurant, per yeah. se, but yeah, it's like a food, food establishment. A food establishment? Yeah, that's got to still be around, right? You can't get rid of those uniforms. Yeah, I mean, I, I they, they're no longer in the gateway, but okay. neither is anything, so. Right. Uh, <laughs> bummer. Right. Yeah, I... I 
Okay, so the day, uh, great day for them. March 30th, by the way. I hope it's a warm one because it's National Take a Walk in the Park Day. That seems way too soon for National Take a Walk in the Park Day. Also, National I Am In Control Day. Well, that's because you're taking a walk in the park. That's dangerous. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I'm an independent, strong man, and I'm taking a walk in the park. I don't like that at all. Yeah, that's that's weird. Uh, that So those are the best days? You know when the Jazz should have had Joe Ingles take over? This when? Twitter? March 27th, which is National Joe Day. Any Joe. I guess so. Any Joe. That's a big day for the Jazz. Sure. With a lot of Joes. Fully two Joes. M- with, yeah, multiple. <laughs> By a lot, I meant two. Uh, do you have a favorite thing Joe Ingles said when he took over the Jazz's Twitter account today? Not off the top of my head, no. Yeah, no, that's fair. Because uh, I, didn't, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you that question. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoyed a few things. First of all, he said, uh, answer, in, uh, answering the question, what does a guy got to do to grab lunch? lunch lunch with joe ingles these days uh-huh. you just gotta pay oh okay you, you take joe ingles to lunch he's gonna go with you yeah he doesn't have that um he didn't get that that pay bump yet no right, right. maybe after the summer that's a rude thing to say but right now yeah i agree yeah uh let's see does pineapple go on pizza absolutely yeah that's, i mean i'm in I, on I, pineapple I, on pizza i, I am think, too i think the wrong topping is ham mm-hmm. i don't think you put ham on pizza and you certainly don't put I it think with ham pineapple is delicious I like ham, but not on pizza. And I think the move with pineapple is you put it with pepperoni. That's the move. Mm. Trust See, me. I, I like the creativity there. It's it's a fantastic combination. Uh, if you were forced to wear one jazz player's jersey all day in public, which player would you choose and not choose? I wouldn't wear Dante's, is what he said. Oh, okay. Which, of course, there's that famous photo of Dante wearing Joe Ingles' jersey as a kid. Yeah. And... Joe's, Joe likes that hierarchy a I'm lot. sure he does. Uh, I did like this one that I'm looking up right now. Uh-huh. Uh, someone asked him, would you agree that Gordon Hayward is the real goat? And he said he eats like a goat. Does that mean he eats healthily? Or, does or that he mean eats he... garbage? Yeah, I think I, that's wh- what that means. He eats <laughs> tin cans. But Wow. <laughs> Which maybe that's why he got so tough. Maybe that's why all the muscles are here. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Rudy has never dunked on Joe Ingles. Ru- well, yeah, Joe's on the perimeter. Yeah. He's not protecting the rim. Right. right. I mean, like that's just survival. Like Brandon Jennings made a mistake once. Ooh, or this was is that Brandon a, Knight. Brandon Knight. Yeah, sorry. Brandon. Yeah, this is a big uh, mistake by Joe. What's that? Someone asked, "Is a hot dog considered a sandwich?" And he said, "No," with like seven exclamation points. <laughs> Whereas, so you're pro hot dog sandwich. Yeah, it's a sandwich. Yeah, I, I think like if words have meanings, hot dogs have to be right. Sandwiches. Exactly. Otherwise, what are they? You can't just say, "Oh, it's a hot dog." That doesn't make any sense. Right. Because it's the same it. thing as a meatball sandwich. Literally it's the exact the same. same thing as a meatball sandwich. And yeah. Just it, without sauce. Well, you put ketchup on it. There you go. Like, it's really There's frustrating that it is, but reluctantly we have to say. It, I don't know why that's frustrating. Because uh, no, the words because hot dog call sandwich is a weird. sandwich. It, if you are, go to a menu at a restaurant and it says hamburgers and sandwiches, a hot dog will be in there. So it's either a hamburger or it's a, or it's a sandwich, which makes you less inferior. <laughs> that's my question. <laughs> Uh, so is a hamburger not a sandwich? No, a hamburger's a sandwich. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, it, so it's just sandwiches and sandwiches on the menu. <laughs> it's all it's all just sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Uh Jazz play the Clippers Saturday. Who do you think wins? How do you think that game goes? It's in LA. I'll in take LA. the home team. One thirty early tip. Ooh, yeah, I'll definitely take the home team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that matters. Yeah. Uh I do think it matters that the Jazz have the next two days off. Uh sure. But Oh, by the way, this Clippers-Mavericks game right now, Mavs up one on the Clippers with 108 left. 
So we'll see how that goes. We won't know how it goes we by the time the show ends. Right. So. But tweet us or just <laughs> look up uh, the app. It'll show yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's another Salt City Hoop show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, as always, you can download any of the show as a podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or uh, saltcityhoops.com or ESPN700sports.com. This is Andy Larson, Zach Harper, signing out. See you guys.